I want to talk about, we've been talking this month about spiritual health and um, remember that if you're a believer, you are spiritually healthy. It's not that you're trying to work yourself up into some spiritual like, you know, uh, echelon or we're not trying out for the spiritual Olympics or anything like that. Our spiritual health comes from Jesus. He takes from heaven and he deposits in our heart. The whole process that we're involved in now is letting that seed that got planted grow out. That's the process of spiritual maturity. So when somebody's not spiritually healthy or not spiritually mature, all that means is that there's some block to the flow of the life that's going on inside of them. There is a um, old wives tale. I don't know if your grandma's told you this, but like if your hair gets wet and it's cold outside and you go outside, they say, come in out of the cold so you don't catch cold, right? Well, you can't get a virus from a temperature. They're two completely different things. 400 years ago, we thought that they were the same thing. That's the way we get uh, the word malaria, means bad air. We thought that, oh, it's, it's something about the air. The temperature is the thing that gives you a cold. Now, a virus gives you a cold. But if you compromise your immune system by not taking care of yourself, if you spend a lot of time ice fishing in a Speedo, your immune system is going to take a hit. There's a mental image for you. And then when you have access to get that infection, your rate of infection will go up. So it's almost like being out in the cold will give you a cold. Or if you cut yourself. Um, my grandfather was one of those people, like when we would work on barbed wire, you know, he'd be bleeding everywhere. It's like, pa, you're bleeding. It's like, it's fine. I don't have time to bleed kind of thing. He's one of those guys, real John Wayne kind of guy. So he would literally like rub dirt in it or rub it on his pants. It's like, ugh. Like, man, there's anthrax in the dirt on our farm. Like, why are you rubbing that? Well, we have gotten accustomed to antibiotics and medical treatment. 400 years ago, people didn't do that. Well, you did. They just didn't last long. You go get a cut now, and you don't have access to antibiotics, or, God forbid, you get an antibiotic-resistant uh, strain of some pathogen, it can mess your life up for a long, long time. So we've gotten used to not having to take care of our wounds because eh, if we get an infection, just go to the doctor and he prescribes a pill that fixes all of it. Well, our spiritual health and our spiritual maturity is kind of the same, the same way. Like we can just take a pill. In order to preserve your spiritual health, all you have to do is believe the truth, which it seems like the most common thing in the world. But the same way that we can get in unhealthy environments physically, I can, you know, like welders that breathe welding gas all day long, it's not good for your lungs. Like there's no 99-year-old welders because they're in a bad environment. Well, if you spiritually get in a bad environment, you will get spiritual infections. Or if you get cut up and you don't take care of your wounds, Everybody in this room has experienced this and know people that experience like where you nurse a grudge or you're just so offended at something that happened 20 years ago. Easy, Joe. <laughs> but when you, get, when you get hurt, when you get your feelings hurt, when you get offended, it creates an emotional wound. And if you don't take care of that, it will develop a spiritual infection. So that's kind of what we're going to talk about today. The goal is that you take care of your wounds. Nobody in this room is responsible for your spiritual health 
except you, right? And unless you're under 10, no one in this room is responsible for your physical health but you. If you want to eat french fries and poutine all day, every day, go for it. It will negatively impact your health. And at the end of, you know, some cardiac episode, you can't go, well, someone was supposed to feed me better. Nope. We are all mature adults, for the most part. You can take care of your own spiritual wounds. So those people that like, I'm just so offended. I'm so offended at this. Like something happens. Well, I'm offended at that. I'm so angry. That is not a spiritual gift. You being offended and you being angry is not a spiritual gift. When we get hurt, you need to bandage and address your wounds. And we are all here to help. Like we all have spiritual first aid training. If you need help bandaging your wounds, you are sitting in a room full of nurses. We can take care of it, but that first responsibility is on your shoulders. Okay, so what are spiritual infections? Just the same way that the environment does not cause a disease, pathogens cause disease, bacteria, viruses, floating around in the air, we breathe them in or they get injected into our body and it creates an infection if our immune system isn't strong enough to fight it off. Well, in the spiritual world, as viruses are to the body, lies and false beliefs are to the spirit. That is what we are all dealing with. When we get a spiritual infection, it means that we have believed a lie. I want to read for, uh, 2 Corinthians 10, 3 through 5. This is Paul writing to the Corinthian church. We are human, but we do not wage war as humans do. We use God's mighty weapons, not worldly weapons, to knock down strongholds of what? Of human reasoning and destroy false arguments. We destroy every proud obstacle that keeps people from knowing God. We capture their rebellious thoughts and teach them to obey Christ. So all the thoughts that are fluttering around in your head, the warfare that we are engaged in is not shouting and hikimoshan dying towards some Phoenician demon over the north side of town. That's not how the enemy works. Um, if you picked up a like a souvenir from Africa, you don't have to dip that souvenir in holy water to get the demons off of it. That's not how demonic forces work. Demonic forces work first in an infection of a false belief or a lie. And we'll, we'll get into how that, that lie gets in there. And then what happens? That lie will start, once you believe it, once you express faith in that lie, you will start collecting truths and events that defend that lie. Just like a, a caterpillar does to a cocoon, you will start pulling together people in your life and events, and you'll start warping events to where it all fits to where you're right. You will start collecting thoughts and events that feed into that lie. And you get all snug. Like, one day soon, a season is going to come on us where we're wrapped in blankets, eating chili, warm and snug in our fall, uh, fall modes that can't come soon enough. But that cocooning of a lie is what we call a stronghold. Now imagine that you have a lie and all of a sudden a castle gets built around that lie. It's a fortified tower. Well, all castles need a king. So at some point in time, it is hard for you to maintain the effort that it takes for you to believe your own lie. Then we start contracting 
with demonic forces and we hire this other army to man our battlements. So I can't keep the truth out long enough. Eventually, I will start contracting with some demon to be able to defend my lie. As I do that in more and more areas of our life, notice how like an infection can just grow because that lie spreads to other areas. And if I keep on doing that, eventually my personality starts slipping beneath the waves. And have you ever said this to somebody? You're not even acting like yourself. Have you ever been around people that are so offended for so long and it's like, you're a completely different person. Addictions deal with this. You can't see the truth, so you will surround yourself with, with people that refuse to tell you the truth. All the people that do try to tell you the truth, they're just mean. They don't like you. So you keep the truth tellers away. You surround yourself with people that feed into your lie. Then all of a sudden, we set that infection up, and that infection spreads through our heart. That is what we refer to as possession. When you no longer have your personality or your identity, your entire identity has been traded with this event, this lie, this false belief. That's what possession is. Has nothing to do with what it looks like in the movies. You have met tons of demon-possessed people. Not one of them has had their head spin around. I promise you, you've never had split pea soup erupt. Well, for the most part. We've got other stories. But that's what demonic possession is. Where you give your identity, your character, your personality, a holiday, and this offense or this lie takes center stage. So spiritual antibiotics. We got some spiritual neosporin. John 8, 31 and 32. Jesus said to the people who believed in them, you are truly my disciples if you remain faithful to my teachings, if you follow what I've told you, and then you will know the truth and the truth will set you free. So how in the world do we fight against that? Just the same way that if you get cut in your hand and you develop an infection, you go to the doctor and you take a pill. And you take that pill until the infection's done. Now, what all of us do is we will take our medicine until we start feeling better and then we're like, we're fine. Like, no, you're not. You keep on taking that or else that virus, that bacteria will start learning how to fight against that mess. So what we as believers do, the the antibiotics, if you're keeping up with the metaphor, is just the truth. You have started this whole spiritual infection because you have believed a lie. No one else believed it for you. That was on your shoulders. You set up an infection. If you get cut and you develop staph, does that mean that you're a morally bad person? No. You got cut. You got an infection. That doesn't mean anything about your character or your nature or your even maturity level, right? If you get a spiritual infection set up and you get this spiritual infection, does that mean anything about your nature, your character, your morality? No, you got infected. And your entire world is warped around this one thing. Now, you are not responsible for what happens to you, but you are responsible for your reactions to it. All right? So all of us in this room have some level of false belief or lie that we're believing. What do you do? You keep the wound clean first off. So if somebody hurts your feelings, and, and we get emotionally, spiritually wounded by somebody saying something that they, they had no business saying to you, 
you're ugly, you're not good enough, or somebody lashes out in anger, they say something to you or about you that hurts, or they were supposed to say something to you and they didn't. If you had a father or a mother that never told you that they loved you, it creates an emotional wound. Or you see and experience something you have no business seeing or experiencing. All of us have like, you know, you start watching movies at an early age and you see stuff that you weren't supposed to see. Like I got the daylight scared out of me when I was a kid. Like I still have issues of, of clowns because of things that happened in my childhood. You know, like all of us experience things that we have no business seeing. All of us have been through trauma that we had no business going through. But you can't change the past, so what do you do? You take care of the wound. You keep it clean. You forgive quickly and often. And you keep on forgiving until the doctor tells you to, that you're fine with it. You don't forgive once and then you go, eh, I think I'm starting to feel a little bit better. No, 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 no. Pile on the, the spiritual health care. Pile it on. We, we want to eradicate that lie. Okay, so you, you learn something about yourself. Let's say rejection, because that's one of the things that I deal with. Rejection is going to be our example. First thing, something happens, and I get rejected. It happens all day, every day. Sometimes people mean to reject me. Sometimes people don't mean to reject me. Sometimes you get invited to dinner. Sometimes you didn't get invited to dinner. Sometimes somebody looks at you funny, and because we have a mask, I don't know if you're smiling or why you have a mean face. You know, like a thousand things happen to us every day, and when we're spiritually healthy, when we're spiritually mature, you shrug that stuff off. You forgive and you move on. Who cares? Like I got invited to dinner last week. I didn't get invited to dinner this week. Does that mean that they hate me? No. But I have the opportunity to get wounded. And oh, you said something, man, that one hurt. I got rejected. And the second stage is it drops out of an event into my identity. I start feeling like I am rejected. You know, like there's a difference between I got rejected and I am rejected. An event and then a belief system. Well, once it drops down into my identity, all of a sudden, I will start viewing people through a different lens. And then every time somebody even gives a hint that they're rejecting me, I add it to the list. And I start piling bricks around my rejected identity. Well, you never liked me. Well, well, did you hear what he did? Well, did you see what she did? They were talking about me behind, like I'm talking about them behind their back, but I get mad that they're talking about me behind my back. And I start developing, like a lawyer, this laundry list of evidence on why I'm rejected. Well, all of a sudden, I start hearing thoughts in my head that help me fight my battles. Have you guys ever had an argument with somebody that wasn't in the room? Who are you arguing with? Have you ever noticed that the argument that you have in your head is never logical? It is always communicating. You're so smart. You say, oh, you stung them there. And it's an invisible person. You're arguing with somebody. So there is a demonic force that shows up and is baiting you into, see, I can train your troops for war. I can teach you how to fight this battle. And you get in your car and you fight the battle and you fight your battle. And that demonic force is treating your, immune, your spiritual immune system not to keep out the lie, but to keep out the truth. 
Well, eventually, if I had spent enough time with that and I let that happen to enough areas of my life, eventually I turned into a completely different person. And the person that you're talking to is not the person that God created. It is this false sham of some demonic force. Bam, possession. I don't levitate, but what I do do is hurt people all day, every day. That demonic force then will start spreading that virus to everybody else in my life. If I get rejected, I will start handing out rejection. Or I will start bringing people over to the cause of rejection. Well, how do we flip it around? Okay, just the same way that it started off with I had an opportunity to experience a belief. Same way as how we get out of it. The Holy Spirit and our community of believers will give you an opportunity to believe the truth about yourself. Oh, gosh, I'm just not that smart. People say it around me all the time. My reaction, yeah, you are. I'm just not that smart. Who told you that? Where did you learn that you weren't smart? I'm just, ugh, I'm no good at this. Who told you that? You're amazing at this. We in the South will dismiss those compliments. Oh, you're just saying that. Nope. I am an agent of the Holy Spirit offering you an opportunity to climb up out of your hole. And if you don't want to climb up out of your hole, that's on you. But it's our job as the spiritually you know, mature believers to offer truth to people. This is what's true of you. God loves you. Well, he doesn't really. Okay. We'll catch you next time. God loves you. What happens if your eyes open up and the Holy Spirit brings that revelation into your heart of maybe he does love me or with me, maybe my friends do love me. It's not a belief. It's just a thought. And then all of a sudden I have to start exercising faith in that truth. It's not enough just to hear it. I have to express faith, say it out of my mouth, meditate it on it in my mind. My friends love me. God loves me. I'm not rejected. I'm accepted. All of a sudden, the foundation of that stronghold cracks and the wall comes tumbling down. It's that easy. It's, well, it's that simple. Practicality, it's, it's difficult. But it's that simple. I believe what God has said about me. I believe the truth about me. Then I start gathering together the list of truths, just the same way that I did with the lie. I built up a stronghold, a fortified tower, protecting that lie. I develop foundation stones to bolster that truth. It's called a testimony. What has God done in my life? That way I hold on to my testimony so that when the light gets turned out on me again, what did God do? It's the reason why the Israelites, when they were walking around the desert, piled up stones. Because when they went through a rough time, the next year around, they said, remember, this is the time that God saved us from X, Y, Z. So I start developing a stronghold of what God has told me, what the scripture says, and what my brothers and sisters have told into me. It never feels true when it starts. But thank God we don't base our belief system on feelings. Right? I mean... That's not faith. <laughs> you know, we're in this whole practice like, well, I just, I feel so rejected. Well, but you're not. But I feel rejected. Like, okay, well, we don't base our decisions on our feelings. My feelings lie to me all the time. I don't feel loved. 
Well, but I am. Well, then I don't listen. Sometimes I do. A good chunk of the time I listen to it. But eventually, the course of my life, I don't, I don't listen to that mess. I start developing a testimony around my life to fortify the truth in my life. And then all of a sudden, instead of partnering with a demonic power, I partner with the Holy Spirit, and that truth is then empowered. And then the same way that that virus started spreading to other people, I start spreading truth to other people. I then become the, like a, a siege breaker like these stronghold destroyers. Like we show up, when we catch a hint of who we are in Christ and you bump into people that are still in the darkness, it's like, I just want to shake it by the shoulders. Like, I'm just, no one loves me. Hush! Everybody loves you. Everybody in this room loves you. Stop saying that about yourself. I just guess I'll drift out into the ocean. No! Don't drift out into the ocean. Come back. That's what we read that scripture last week, that God is in us reconciling the world to himself, that we are Christ's call to the darkness of come home, stop staying out in the darkness and come home. So all the people that are in this room right now, stop staying out in the darkness. All of us have these strongholds. All of us have these lies that we believe. That is why we come in here and we work on our spiritual health to try to root out where in the world am I believing a lie about myself. I sit in community with brothers and sisters that know me for who I am and have the ability to speak truth into my life. Um, one of the best examples, I have always thought that I was garbage with kids. I just, now, I don't know that I'm going to write a book on childcare, but I've always believed ah, they're, they're smelly, they're loud, they have you know, different mucuses coming out of different places on their body. And I just move you over there. So I was hanging out with uh, Ben and Amy Crace one night and uh, their son, Isaac, asked me to help him play with like his little marble set. And the kid's just the cutest thing in the world. You know, it takes no effort to love on some cute kids. You know, like kids that try to kick you, it takes a little bit more effort. And he was like, you know, will you help me play with my marbles? And I was like, of course that cute face. Of course, I'll help play with your marbles. So we were playing around and I said, I'm just really not good with kids. And they were like, Justin, you've been playing with our kids great for the last two hours. Who told you you were bad at kids? I don't know. I don't know where I picked that up. I had a friend and I've, I've mentioned this many, many times. I developed a belief system that none of my friends actually like hanging out with me. And I had an opportunity to have a conversation with somebody that ripped that lie. Well, gave me harsh evidence that that was a lie. And then I had the opportunity, do I, need, do I want to go back and live under that lie? Or do I want to capitalize on the truth and get myself out of it? It's the exact same process. I have an opportunity to believe something. I believe it. I start developing a, a stronghold to fortify that belief I develop a contract with some supernatural entity, whether demonic or the Holy Spirit, to empower me to spread that, that truth or that lie. And then, bam, I either wind up losing my identity or if we do it the way the Holy Spirit wants us to, we finally wind up gaining our identity. None of us in this room have a clue who we actually are. If we knew who we are beyond a shadow of a doubt, we, somebody would have to chase us down. Paul says that in 2 Corinthians. For it has not become revealed who you are, but when we see him, 
will be transformed, will be like him. So one day, our full spiritual identity is going to be revealed. We're going to be standing before the white throne, and Jesus is going to give us a white stone with a new name on it that nobody knows. And finally, we will understand, oh, that's who I was all along. And all of us are different. All of us have a different name. The process of Christian maturity is the developing of that identity. Every year I discover something about myself, and it's never a bad thing. It's not like God has this secret about me. It's like, well, when you find out the truth, you're going to be embarrassed. Uh Uh-uh. When you find out the truth about yourself, it unlocks whole areas of your life. You are all living in mansions that we are huddled up, hoarded out in one room. You have no idea Like you got a pool in your backyard that you've never explored because we don't know who we are. We we have partnered with the enemy that the enemy tells us who we are. Well, he doesn't know me. Why would I listen to him? All right, so that's how we develop spiritual infections. It's not that complicated. But I'll tell you, if we get this, we are light years ahead of so many people in the world. It's not complicated, but it's difficult. When you get hurt, when you get wounded, you need to deal with that wound. You need to deal with that offense right there. Forgive. Forgive quickly, not for the other person. When somebody hurts you, when you forgive them, it doesn't mean that what they did to you was right. It just means, hey, I've got a band-aid on this and I am not willing to set up an infection over something this dumb. So you get it off your shoulders, you get it off your plate, and it's I mean, all of us know what forgiveness is. It's, I say you forgive people, but it's a complicated process. You forgive them today, and then you forgive them tomorrow, and then you forgive them the next day, and 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 you eat all of your antibiotics until the, until the prescription's done. Regardless of how you feel, you keep on forgiving, you keep on forgiving, and one day, it's not that big of an issue. If you believe a lie about yourself... You need to get in small group, in community with people that have the ability to call out truth. And please, for the love of God, believe the people that God has sent in your life over the enemy. I do this all the time. I will walk through a hundred people that know me and tell me the truth all day long. I will walk over them to find one person that said one thing that criticized me. And I'll believe that and I'll ignore all of my friends. It makes life difficult for my friends. So it's like, no, this one person that I don't even know said this, or this one person at Walmart gave me a funny look, and I know everybody hates me, and an entire army of people going, we don't hate you. We believe one idiot over the entire force of our church family. So please, let's all covenant to make life easy on each other, and when we tell you the truth, just go, thank you. Believe what Scripture says about you. It doesn't feel true, but we don't base our belief system on our feelings, right? And then you stop messing with that demonic stuff. Like I have to tell myself over and over and over, I'm not going to have an argument with somebody that's not in the car. I do it all the time. I'm not going to argue with a figment of my imagination because best case scenario, I'm arguing with my imagination, Worst case scenario, I'm contracting with demonic forces. Neither offer truth, neither offer wisdom. 
I'm not going to have an argument with somebody that's not in the car. I'm not going to rehearse my arguments. I'm not going to rehearse my strategy. I wind up rehearsing my arguments and my strategies, but the effort is going in the other direction. Partner with the Holy Spirit. Then we will become a I hate alliteration. Like when people have points and all of the points start with the same letter, I hate that. But then eventually when we get mature enough, we become a community of care and we are a hospital to help other people. But if all the nursing staff and all the doctors and all the surgeons in this room are barely holding on, we can't help anybody else. So this is one of the things that we're going to be covenanting on over the next 10, 20, 30, 40, 50, 60 years This is what we're going to do all day, every day. Make sure that you forgive easily and get those infections out of your life because you have got to believe the truth about yourself. Amen? So let's stand up. Let's pray.